Thanks for tuning in to McNamara on Money, a podcast about all things financial. On this show, we talk about investments and investment performance. In our practice, we give financial advice to our clients. We know their financial situation in detail before doing so. That's not the case with callers we may speak to on this show. We can't give truly meaningful financial advice because we don't know the detailed financial situation of the caller. Any suggestions we make to callers are generic in nature and meant to steer a caller in the right direction. Listeners to this podcast should consult their own financial professionals before implementing any suggestions we might make. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. My name is Mike McNamara. This is McNamara on Money. All righty. So what we're talking about, the big picture is how much money can I take out of my portfolio and still live happily ever after? And as a percentage, it's pretty simple. Your portfolio has the ability, whatever your portfolio is, there's an, a reasonable number that it'll probably earn for the rest of your life. You have to guess about that and it's not guaranteed. And whatever that number is, okay, my question is, do you know that number? Do you know what you potentially can earn? And then more importantly, do you know what percentage of money you are withdrawing from that number? You know, the places you're taking money from, your your IRA, other than that's the other things that counts. Bottom line is, if you take all the money you're taking before taxes and divide it by the entire value of all of your money, you get your withdrawal rate. If your portfolio is earning five and your withdrawal rate is two, congratulations, you're doing okay. If your portfolio rate is five and you're earning five, well, you're on the line and inflation's going to catch you sooner or later, maybe. And if you're earning five and drawing 10, you're heading down the slope and you better know when that ends and you better make some preparation for it given what may happen given the circumstances. Anyway, so flash point number one, I guess, if you're looking at your portfolio is, am I taking less than or equal to or more than, okay, what my portfolio is earning? Muddy important question. Everybody who's retired and taking money should know that. Okay, second issue that's a big problem for everybody is inflation. And on on one hand, it's nice to talk about inflation. On another hand, I'm going to do some numbers and try to put a face on that for you in terms of the real world. So it's difficult to do numbers on the radio, but I'm going to do it hopefully simply and not lose too many people here. I don't think I will. Okay, so here's my assumption. My assumption is that you have $75,000 a year of living expenses. You're retired. And of that 75000 you know you're going to get 35000 in Social Security. So you have to take $40,000 out of your portfolio. That's like the rough plan or the rough situation. So here are some numbers that are, they get a little bit more frightening as you get a little longer out here because inflation compounds. So here we go. Okay, that 70, by the way, a 66-year-old male, okay, will live to 83, according to the IRS tables, and a 66-year-old female will live to 86, again, according to the IRS tables. So if you just retired at 66, you got, what, 20, 18, 17 or 18 years if you're a male, and about 20 if you're a female, and longer if you beat those odds. So here we go. Your expenses at $75,000 a year. If we have three, 
3% inflation, 10 years from now, your expenses are $100,000. If we have 15 years of 3% inflation, your expenses are $117,000. If we have 20 years of 3% inflation, your costs are $135,000. And by the way, if you live to 95 or out 25 years, it's $157,000. So... Let me just say the most practical way, 75,000 now, 117,000 15 years from now at 3% inflation. Obviously, if I do higher inflation numbers, those numbers are more scary. Just quickly, $75,000 in 10 years is 111,000. $75,000 in 15 years is 135,000 at 4%. Okay, I think you get the idea. So here's the concept, okay? Every year, in order for you to keep up with inflation, you're going to have to take more money out of your portfolio, okay? And, you know, that if you're already taking 6% and you're earning 6%, inflation is going to be a lot more of an impact on you, okay, than in other different situations. But bottom line is you need to grow the money that you take from your portfolio over time to keep up with inflation and have you built that into your assumptions or your plans about what's going on, okay? So I guess I'll finish up by saying that if you are absolutely retired and taking money from your portfolio, A, you should know what your withdrawal rate is, B, you should know on average what your portfolio hopefully earns going forward, and that will give you a sense, okay, of where you are financially, okay? If you're not in a good place, you might want to start thinking about how it is that you deal with that and go from there. A few tidbits of advice for folks who might want to, if you don't do things, if you do things on your own, These are the things you need to think about. If you're working with a financial advisor, you have some questions for that person. But so do you need some help? If you do need some help, okay, I would say it will be nice to have a plan, okay, before retirement about accumulating money. And it would be nice to have a plan at retirement that goes forward and is updated about monitoring your financial situation. So it'd be okay. Okay. If you have a plan and you're building towards retirement, that'll give you some help with what you have to save to get there. You got some time to make it work. Okay. And by the way, the last comment I'd make about that is that the percentage of stocks that folks need while they're building their portfolio and while they're taking money from their portfolio is probably a higher number than most people are comfortable with, but that's just how it is. Long-term stocks have significantly outperformed inflation. Long-term bonds are maybe even, maybe a bit behind inflation, probably, and long-term savings and CDs and cash have been poor protections against inflation, and we'll just kind of leave it from there. Okay, once again, this is a call-in talk radio show. If you have any questions, it's 781-837-4900. My name is Mike McNamara. This is McNamara on Money, and you don't have to just have a question on withdrawal rates from your portfolio, although that probably wouldn't be a bad idea. All right, topic number two. It has, I love the title, the worst investment you'll ever make 
Real estate guru Grant Cardone says too many Americans are chasing after the dream of home ownership. Here's what he thinks you should do instead. Don't get nervous, folks. Real estate works for a whole lot of people, but it doesn't work for a whole lot of other people, and that's where we're going to end up here. Okay? So let me just do a little reading from an article that was, where's this from? This is from Yahoo Finance. The source is MoneyWise from the Associated Press. The author is Bethan Moorcraft, and this is August of 2023, so pretty current. Okay, this is, this is reality here for folks who own real estate. And let me just quote about a paragraph of this and then I'll launch from there. Okay, what Cardoni says is wrong with buying a home. Okay, he gave an example of spending $576,000 on a home that you keep for 10 years. On top of that huge total, Cardoni said, you also have to pay the following fees over a decade. Okay, 12% or $69,000 for broker fees, that's to buy it and to sell it. 10% or $57,600 in maintenance fees. I didn't say improvements, I said maintenance. I'll come back to that. 20% or $115,000 in property taxes. And 70% or $403,200 to the bank. That was principal and interest for the 10 years and paying off your balance. So by the way, you buy a home for for $576,000. And in this example, you hold it for 10 years. The costs of fees, maintenance, buying it, property taxes, interest, and principal, $645,000. That's the total of those costs. When it comes to securing your financial future, trust matters. That's why McNamara Financial, a family-owned company, is here for you. As a family-owned company, we understand the importance of your financial well-being. That's why our team of expert financial advisors is committed to your success. At McNamara Financial, we take your trust seriously. That's why all our financial advisors are fiduciaries and certified financial planners, putting your best interests first. With our team of dedicated professionals, you can rest assured that you're receiving top-notch expertise tailored to your unique goals. Don't leave your financial future to chance. Trust McNamara Financial, where family values meet financial expertise. Visit our website or call us to schedule a consultation today. McNamara Financial, securing your financial future one step at a time. So wait a minute. I paid 576000 to buy it, okay? In order to sell it, I have to sell it for a million two twenty one to break even on that exchange. I'll say that again. Okay, 576000 is the price. Over 10 years, you spent $645,000 to keep it up and close it out. Okay, that's a million two twenty-one. By the way, that's, that house has to appreciate 7.8% per year over 10 years, okay, for you to break even for your money, according to this article. Okay, so <clears throat> take a breath for a moment, okay? Th- there are a whole bunch of folks listening to me that own real estate, okay, that are very comfortable with it. I'm fine with that, okay? M- my issue is that it is 
not home ownership is just not for some percentage of our population. And as a result of that, okay, we've had some difficulties personally in terms of families and their lives and actually a big mess in 2007, 8, 9 that was precipitated in part by a real estate crisis. If you want to tee off one way or another here on this, folks, it's 781-837-4900. And their question is, what about owning a home? It's a great investment. My comment is it's not as good an investment as you think. I didn't say it was a bad investment, but it's not what you think. If you Google residential home price appreciation in Massachusetts for a long period of time or any other area of the country, I'm going to guess you get a 5 or a 6 or maybe a 7% a year appreciation rate. Certainly in the last two or three years, things have gone bonkers. But long term, okay, real estate appreciation prices, 5, 6, 7% is where I would stick that. If you, when you have investments, and you have a return, you take away fees and taxes. When you have a home and you calculate your return, you take away fees and taxes, and by the way, interest and the circumstances, and it's not five or six or 7%. Think about, never mind improvements, never mind property taxes, and never mind principal and interest, okay? Put all those things together, okay, and subtract the cost. If you added a brand new kitchen and bathroom or a couple bathrooms to your home for $100,000, did you add that $100,000 to the cost of your home? So when you calculated how much money that you made on your home, you got a true percentage rate. Probably not, okay? Whatever you earn on your your home or whatever you think you'll make on your home as dollars, if you took away some dollars that you didn't think about or that were real costs, it's just not the return that you think it is, okay? And it's pretty simple, okay? There, but, well, by the way, another issue with regard to cost of home, home, if you have a home, okay, besides improvements, did you have a home equity line of credit and did you borrow some money out of that home equity line and pay some college costs or do something else with it or improve the home, okay? And by the way, did you refinance? Did you do a refinance and fold it in a car loan or a couple of charge cards? Okay, if you did that against your home, those are costs that you incurred, okay, and they take away from whatever it is that you thought you earned doing that. N- not quite as simple as it might suggest. Again, 781-837-4900 if you're in Marshfield, the South Shore, or the Merrimack Valley. Anyway, let's see. How, where else should we go with this? Oh, yes, okay. So think about, okay, th- there are some folks listening to me now who are probably planning on using the equity in their home for retirement, okay? They may need it in retirement. And one thought is, well, I have a good chunk of my retirement nest egg in my home, okay? About the time I retire, I'm going to sell it. I'm going to downsize. I'm going to buy a smaller home or a more appropriate home or a right-sized home, as they call it in the real estate. And the money that I take off the table from my profits, I'm going to add that to my nest egg pile, and I'm going to live happily ever after. That's a maybe, but in my personal experience, it hasn't quite worked that way for a whole bunch of people I've worked with over the years. The thing that's 
pretty interesting to me. Uh, and folks, if you're in that thinking right now about maybe selling it in a year or two or three when you retire, here's an exercise for you. Go get a fair value estimate of your home from some realtor folks, okay? And then do some shopping either locally for your smaller right-sized home or in another state if you're planning on a move. Get a realistic idea of what you would buy right now to replace the home for what it's worth right now, okay? My experience has been that most folks, when they sell their big retirement home and downsize, buy a smaller, appointed better built, more amenities, better location, a home, and it costs about the same as what you profited from selling the big one. I have personally seen very few people take a chunk of money that was meaningful from the sale of their pre-retirement home, add it to their nest egg, and live happily ever after. Think about it. If you're going to sell a $750,000 home with no mortgage, and by the way, I truly hope that you have no mortgage. If you're going to sell a $750,000 home with no mortgage, how much does it cost to buy one to replace it? And if you look around right now, and by the way, if you take away closing costs and brokerage fees on the home that you sell, this is the money you're playing with to buy a new one. Okay, just go shopping and see what you can buy for that right now. And my guess is it would not be as good a home as the one that you're living in, okay, because of the circumstances. Just think about that. But if you're planning on doing that, do some research right now. Your home is worth X right now. If you're going to buy a condo or a smaller home in a different town, go price it out right now and tell me how much money you could take off the table to put into your retirement nest egg. My guess is not much. Okay, so for most folks, downsizing and taking a chunk of money from your home investment, okay, doesn't work because you buy a smaller, nicer home for about the same dollars, okay? If you had to do that in retirement. That's by choice folks do that. If you had to do that, okay, I can pretty much assure you that if you sold your $750,000 home and could find one for $500,000 to replace it, okay, you would probably not be very happy with what the home looked like or what shape it was in or what you had to do to it given the circumstances. I, folks, I just think that's what the situation is for most folks, okay? For folks listening to me who don't have much of a nest egg and for seriously counting on using the built-up equity in your home for your retirement nest egg, I think you have a challenge ahead of you. I think it's a big challenge, and I think you have to really be thinking about that and maybe doing some research to make sure you can pull that off. Excuse me, getting a little dry in the throat here, but that's okay. That's okay, Mike. Moving along. Okay, one last thing on homes. Okay, for folks who have to, by the way, you might end up staying in place in your home, okay, based on some of the comments I just made, okay, and maybe fixing it up a little bit or whatever, but again, 
Think about it. Look into it. Don't just wait till it happens. Be proactive and get an idea whether that's going to work or not in today's world. That's all you can do. Okay. One, I'll touch one last thing, okay, on, on the home appreciation. When you get to the retirement and if you have to use some of the equity in your home, okay, this is like almost unconstitutional to mention, but a reverse mortgage uh, may be something that's a better deal than selling and downsizing for a lot of folks listening to this. Okay, a reverse mortgage in general, they've had some bad press in earlier versions, have not been the best things, but right now they're bona fide investment options in terms of taking money out of your home. And they are certainly a godsend for a whole number of folks out there who don't have much other than the equity in their home to make it work. Okay. The reverse mortgage, it's pretty simple. You're able to borrow money from your home and not have to pay it back as long as you live there, okay, and as long as you die there, okay. If you sell it, you're going to have to pay it back. And by the way, you'll be accumulating interest and it'll be a big number, okay. But if you do a reverse mortgage, okay, it's something that makes a lot of sense for a lot of people. And the last piece of that would be if your home is fully paid for, I think you can get somewhere between maybe 50% of the value of that home or maybe a bit more, okay, that you could live on for the rest of your life and not pay interest on that. Okay, if you have a mortgage against your home, okay, then obviously the numbers are smaller. And then last and final comment on housing as an investment, if you keep on refinancing your home and have a mortgage when it comes time for you to retire, that's a problem. Okay, and I would strongly encourage folks out there listening to me, probably the best thing that you can do, okay, to increase your retirement chances, the best thing you could do is basically, okay, not have a mortgage, or as I like to say, have your mortgage retired when you are. That's a hard thing. Because every time we buy a a new bigger home, we buy a bigger mortgage than the last one. And every time we do that, we also do a 30-year mortgage, not out to age 66 when I retire. But anyway, your home for a number of folks out there listening to me who will have to use the equity in their home, okay, for some portion of their retirement income, I think you're going to find that very difficult and very challenging, okay? And if you're not yet at that point, I think the more research that you do and the more planning to maybe fix that situation a bit, the better from my point of view. Alrighty here, let's see. What have I got, about three or four minutes here, Tim? Something like that? Okay. I think what I'll do is speed read from the last one here then. The last article I'd like to touch on here is an article entitled, let me get this, Eight Big Things Clients Don't Know About Estate Planning, Long-Term Care, and Probate. Okay, and this is going to have to be a lightning round. I may pick this up next week given the circumstances. This is an article from ThinkAdvisor. Dot com and financial planning. Okay, and we have this nice little slideshow, but I'll just I'll just do the Reader's Digest version. Okay, even without a will, probate is possible. There may be some things of value that did not get covered in somebody's will, and even even though you have 
a will, you may have to go through some more probate exercises as a result, okay, of not covering those things, okay? Okay, long-term care, number two, long-term care protection is doable but complex. I will certainly say it's complex, and sometimes if you're able to deal with that problem, you may create other problems that, that come down the road and bite you. Have to be careful about that. Okay, estate planning is a team effort. Okay, you need to get, let's see, you need to get attorneys, CPAs, financial advisors, insurance folks, okay, real estate folks, healthcare issues, and family involved, okay, in estate planning. Everybody's got to know what's going on. Please, please think about doing that, okay? Be careful about who you choose for trustees and for people who are going to settle your estate and your healthcare proxy and durable power of attorney. It's never too late for damage control if you're, if you're looking at, a long-term care crisis in the next month or so. There may be some things you can do about that. See an attorney, an elder planning attorney for that, but one of those things. Make sure your beneficiary designations are up to date and monitor them. Okay, and let's see. It's not just for the elderly. There may be some estate planning issues for young folks who actually die sometimes unplanned. All right, time to go. My name is Mike McNamara. This is McNamara on Money. Have a great week. 